Welcome to Collaboration is Queen, a New World Women production. I'm your host, Dawn Morningstar, one of three co-founders of New World Women. Sean Vujot, Mecca Page, and I have collaborated to co-create New World Women, a women's organization that shares profits with women to reward them for expanding their consciousness and nurturing themselves. Our unique offering supports women's self-empowerment and economic sufficiency, and it emerged out of a respectful, inclusive, co-creative process based on collaboration at every turn and fun. Yes, there was lots of fun. The three of us are often overheard saying collaboration is queen. We invite you to welcome more collaboration into your life, knowing that you don't have to do it alone, whatever it is for you. Dust off your crown and enjoy. And always remember, collaboration is queen. So I'd like to thank you for joining us this evening for this World Breathing Day, very special presentation with Laurie Ellis Young and Dr. George Ellis, co-authors of Breath is Life, taking in and letting go how to live well, love well, be well. We, the co-founders of New World Women, are dedicated to the upliftment of all people. So when Mecca Page, Sean Vujot, and I learned that there was actually a day dedicated to breath, World Breathing Day, we chose to bring you the love, compassion, and expertise that Laurie and George share with all of us in so many ways. New World Women co-founders, Mecca Page, Sean Vujo, and I welcome you and thank you for your kind hearts and your desire to make a difference in the world. I know that's why you're on this call. I'm Dawn Morningstar. Sean and I will be your hosts this evening and we send good wishes to Mecca who had a prior commitment. Mecca sends her love and looks forward to seeing the replay which we will send out to each of you within the week. Please feel free to share this with everyone. Because New World Women generally only does events for our sisterhood, I want to take a moment to share what we are and what we do. This is not meant to be an infomercial, but rather a way for you to see why we broke our rule and decided to have this special presentation, the connection between Laurie and New World Women, and so that you can know a little bit about us. New World Women is a unique, leading-edge, international sisterhood of women who learn together, stay inspired, and receive monetary rewards for practicing self-care, for learning new ways to live and be inspired, for helping others, and for making the world better for all. There's no other model like the one New World Women has created, and we look forward to our big launch later this spring. So far, we have over 70 founding mothers and more than 25 teachers from all over the globe. We lovingly call our teachers luminaries. We do this because their teaching and inspiration brings light to women who seek to live self-empowered, abundant lives themselves and to positively impact the lives of their loved ones and for women who wish to be of service to humanity. When women do better, so does everyone around them. We invite you to visit our website, newworldwomen.com, if you'd like to learn more. One of our extraordinary luminary teachers is Laurie Ellis Young. It just made sense for her to teach her wide array of breathing techniques to our members. We couldn't imagine, not even imagine, launching without our dear Laurie on our team. Thank you, Laurie, for joining New World Women as a luminary founding mother. Thank you. When we decided to honor World Breathing Day, we were also very committed to showing compassion for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine the trauma that they are experiencing, and unwinding some ideas about the role that breath plays in healing trauma. For those who are experiencing the trauma and for those of us who are empathetic to the trauma that others are having. Of course, there are no two, there are no two finer examples of people who are aware of trauma 
have done and continue to do their part to heal it than Laurie and George. In this 60-minute Zoom, we will learn a little bit about Laurie and George's life in Ukraine, some stories of their relationships with Ukrainian people and people around the world that they've helped. We are also going to benefit from learning a breathing technique so that all of us can deal with stress, anxiety, and trauma in our own lives. We'll also share 12 things you can do right now to show your love and your support for Ukraine. When each of us does better, we can be of greater service in the world. And because we are one, you know, we hear that all the time, we are one, we are one. If we really believe that, then we must know that whatever we do, however we personally create and experience peace, that adds to the peace of our world. So let's take a moment of silence for the people of Ukraine and breathe together, feeling what we feel and then allowing peace to wash over us. I will light a candle in honor of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Close your eyes if you'd like and breathe three times into your heart, feeling peace and tranquility within you. Feel yourself settling down and see your tranquility spreading far and wide. We are one, we are peace, we are love. Now, please open your eyes and you will see those who care and are changing the world for good, just like you are. Laurie Ellis Young is an internationally recognized speaker, author, senior yoga teacher, the Yoga Alliance UK, MBSR, which is a mindful, is mindfulness-based stress reduction instructor. She is an MBSR instructor, a shift peace ambassador, and certainly a pioneer in teaching optimal breathing. Dr. George T. Ellis is a licensed clinical psychologist with over 40 years of experience in conflict resolution, stress management, trauma, cross-cultural psychotherapy, neuropsychology, and MBSR training. Laurie and George have lived and worked throughout Latin America, the US, Europe, Asia, Africa, and the Middle East experiencing how vital knowledge of breath can transform and empower individuals, groups, organizations, and systems. As a way of honoring trees are the lungs of the planet, for over 20 years, Laurie and George developed a reforestation project in Guatemala. Laurie and Dr. George also lived in Ukraine for over four years and Dr. George was evacuated just days before the Russian invasion. Welcome, Laurie and George. We're so happy that you're here. And you can go ahead and unmute yourselves. And okay, down at the bottom. Or... Sean, would you like to unmute them? There we go. <laughs> Whoops, they're muted again. How's that? But not for long. Not for long. We will not be silent. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us. And I know everyone is very interested to hear the perspectives that you have to share. So I'd like to start off by asking the two of you to share a few qualities of the people of Ukraine that you most admired when you lived there. Well, um, 
after four and a half years and working very closely with both uh, internationals and um, local nationals in a professional capacity, um, there were a couple for me that was that were really striking. One was um, just a real passion to serve, a, a, a passion to serve mm -hmm. their own country, mm -hmm. a passion to be good to their own country. Many of the people that I, I did that were actually working for the organization I worked for were themselves mm -hmm. refugees from the Donbass region. And uh, um, the, the, the compassion was just, it was really quite touching and really quite powerful. And particularly when many of them faced some pretty traumatic, mm. pretty traumatic issues. So for me, work ethic, compassion, uh, and and love of mm. country were really powerful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. How about yeah. you, Laurie? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that he said. And I'll also say that they just had a fierce uh, pride and love in their country that um, from the first day that I would meet someone that was evident. And uh, in Ukraine, this was evident, but especially now that, you know, after the war is people's resiliency, their ability to hold the darkness, you know, the heaviness of the situation that they are in that is, you know, really almost unfathomable, and yet also hold hope. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Qualities to be admired in everyone. Beautiful. Wow. Glad that you got to witness that and know the people. So um, you did trainings for the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe the OSCE, with many nationalities, not only Ukrainians. And you trained people in many different roles, from clerical staff, former military and police, just wow. to name a few. Yes. <laughs> How were you able to get people who were not open to working with their breath in the beginning? How did you get them on board? What did you do? Great question, frankly. <laughs> um, but let me back it up just a little bit to give people a little bit of a context regarding OSCE, because probably nobody, nobody on here really even knows what that is. Um, OSCE stands for Organization for Security Cooper Cooperation in Europe, Special Monitoring Mission to Ukraine. Um, OSCE's inception was about 1975. It evolved out of the Cold War era. Its job was to utilize dialogue between states, 57 member states, to support um, stability, peace, economic growth, and to offer dialogue as a means of resolving conflict rather than war. 57 member states are part of OSCE, including Belarus, Belarus and Russia. It is a consensus-based organization, which means at the General Assembly, Think of OSCE as uh, often it's referred to as the little brother or the little sister of the UN. Um, it's located in Vienna and the General Assembly has 57 ambassadors from each of those countries. It's consensus based, meaning everybody has to agree on an issue. So it, uh, I used to be the acting acting head of the medical unit because some uh, the head of the medical unit left. And I would often approach the General Assembly in Vienna with particular issues that I would need, that I would request. And um, they would all vote. And if there were one country voted no, it was a dead issue. So just to let you know that this was a consensus-based organization that included um, Australia, Canada, uh, yes. the US, uh, Russia, Belarus, et cetera. So that's a little bit of the context just to give mm -hmm. people a sense of things. Mm -hmm. Was China a part of that as well? No? No, no. Good question, no. Um, but Kazakhstan was, Tajikistan was, um, there was a number of countries that are part of it. Mm -hmm. So in 2016, um, Lori and I were leaving the Middle East and uh, there was this job offer for senior psychologist for OSCE SMM. And it was in, it was 
an interesting position. So apply for it. And what OSCE wanted to do was create mental health programming for mission members. There are 1,500 mission members in the organization in Ukraine. They were often in the conflict zone in very stressful situations. Uh, when we were there, many times mortar rounds would drop and going to bed, the windows would be shaking. People would see death. You would see children dead. You, they often people would need to go, mission members would need to go in and support people for some pretty rough stuff. So although it's a peace organization, it was there for stability and monitoring. Um, members saw a lot of things. And so what OSC wanted to do is set up a mental health program to support people that are mission members to, to not get traumatized themselves. Okay. And so that was much of the issue. Mm-hmm. So, and how did you teach Beth? And and before you answer that, I'm curious: who were the mission members? What? How did they get to become a mission member? Forty-five member states, so almost all of Europe. Oh, I see. Got it. Okay. Canada, Australia, um, France, Tajikistan, Russia, Belarus, mm-hmm. etc. Um, many of all, those countries all were represented as expatriates. And then there was about 300 or 400 local nationals also worked. Okay. Um, actually, probably more than 400, probably 500 or 600 that worked for um, OSCE. Okay. Beautiful. So I just wanted to give context before I address the issue of yes, training. Thank you. That's very helpful. <laughs> and Laurie, what were you going to say? about um, about that, about the mission members and what you were doing. Was there anything you wanted to add to the OSCE experience that you had? Well, I think with the, um, in regards to teaching breath uh, to them is uh, George, first of all, in the trainings, most of them were held in Dnipro, which is between the Donbass region and Kiev. Mm -hmm. And the trainings would last for at least a week. Mm -hmm. And George would start out with the nervous system. And by that, by going through the nervous system and science, basically he would engage them. And that opened up for me to come in because I wasn't at the trainings all the time. George was there full time and I just went in periodically. And uh, I I had to be creative. <laughs> I wanted- It's true. <laughs> because to try to engage um, uh, all of them, well, first of all, to be experiential so that you get out of your seats and you move and you breathe. And also um, I noticed uh, some of the, the uh, people that were there for training, mostly men, would be uh, going into the bar at the hotel. So I, um, there's always in a group, there are people that are hands, you know, that want to entertain. So I did role playing and got people involved playing the uh, roles of the three characters, of course, that go into a bar. And it's the brain, the breath, and the heart. So got three people that were, you know, wanting to play the role and really into it. And the uh, brain goes into the bar and orders a really good Ukrainian vodka and talks about how you know, he's the control center and gets to be macho and, you know, he's the most important. So the question was, they went into the bar to discuss who between them, which one of them was the most important for the mission members' health and well-being. So, okay, the you know, the brain is most important. And then the heart also has good Ukrainian vodka, but loves the color red. So it has a so Bloody Mary and talks about, oh, you might be IQ, but I'm EQ and I'm relationship and I'm the motor of the body and, and I'm the one that really helps us get through things. I'm the most important. And then the breath just puts down a glass of oxygen rich water and goes out the door. So then the people sitting in the training are thinking, hmm. And then they realize 
The brain and the heart can do nothing without the breath. The body can do nothing without the breath. So they call breath, breath, please come back, come back. You are the most important. And then we talk about how the, what the quality of the breath is going to determine the quality of the brain and the quality of the heart and the quality of the immune system, the quality of everything. So then that way, they were like, okay, the breath is important to pay attention to. So then they started to get into it. And we brought in a lot of other things, props, Mm -hmm. so that when you're working with the brain, you're a wizard. (laughs) And when the brain, um, the fight and flight, which is so important, we'd have people put on hats (laughs) and act it out. So that was a way to, to engage them and get them interested in learning practices and then knowing that the Navy SEALs taught the box breath mm-hmm. that helped a lot yeah wow. and so we taught that and then also that Mick Jagger and Sting did breath work before their concerts oh that my got gosh. them interested <laughs> yeah so what happened over what, what was interesting is what happened over you because again you already said it Don, but you said you know I mean there were civilians former military former uh, police active military active police so you have a wide range of groups trying to work with each to develop a culture of breath, which again is about managing the nervous system. It, it took a while, but after about three years, it had gone. I mean, it really mattered. People were open to it completely, were, were participating fully, and there wasn't the resistance there was the first year. I love that. And it sounds like <laughs> um, with your jokes and your props and your knowledge, and teaching that it all worked together to kind of break down any barriers that this is weird. And I love that you told them about, you know, Mick Jagger and Sting breathing before concerts. People can relate to things like they that. They can. And I've been to your workshops, Laurie, and I have worn the wizard hat and the- <laughs> Yes, you did. And it really does. Um, it helps us to remember and to understand these concepts. I love the joke. That is awesome. I am going to use that joke myself. <laughs> and um, I just, I really love this. Um, one of our um, people on the call, I think it was Marita, asked if you were teaching in English um, or how did you teach? Was there any kind of a language barrier? Um, it was man. English was the currency of OSCE is the currency. So regardless of where you're working, OSCE is in like 15 missions around Europe. Okay. You must have a certain level of English or you won't be able to, to uh, join and be, and be employed. Excellent. Thank you. And local nationals, their English was as good as mine. Wow. Now you could argue mine's not that good. I love it. So is there anything else, um, George, that you wanted to share about OSCE before we move on to talking about um, the nervous system and how breath actually changes a person's brain? Well, I just wanted to emphasize that that OSCE's position um, really was about supporting 1,500 of us. And there was a lot of energy, effort, and support for that. Yes. And um, because the issue really was many, many people, we were facing really tr- potentially traumatic issues. Okay. And and so that was pretty good for an international organization. That's pretty impressive. Yes. And I, I would say also that to be proactive mm-hmm. to stress and trauma was um, they were they were ahead of their time. There weren't a lot of, you know, international organizations that were doing that, putting that emphasis on it. Mm-hmm. What's the status of OSCE now? Are, like, what's going on with them now? Well, because Russia and Belarus are part of the 57 member states, mm-hmm. um, the mandate has been terminated. So oh. SCE is mm-hmm. completing its business. It's completely withdrawn. And now it's just... Um, basically working its way out because the mandate's been um, canceled. Oh, I'm 
so sorry to hear that. Well, thank you for the good work that you did while you were there. And I know there will be other opportunities for the two of you. So um, George and or Laurie, whoever wants to take this, uh, talking about the, the nervous system and how breath really changes a person's brain. I don't know that people think about breathing and the way our brain functions. So what about that with the nervous system? Well, I will... Um... I will, I will try to be as concise as possible because if people fall asleep, I'll just feel bad, okay? <laughs> um, in a very short version, the breath is the portal to the nervous system and the nervous system is where all stress hangs out. And so basically stress is in our body. It's a bodily experience. And so what stress is, is it's perceived threat. And that's important for people to understand. And very, very briefly, there are two survival responses that human, that human beings have. Okay, One survival response is 500 million years old, and it's called freeze. That's when we shut down. We disappear. We want to run away. It's a, it's a sense of helplessness, hopelessness, powerlessness. And the story behind it is I can't. So you see that in when people are depressed, um, that's more of a freeze state. You'll see um, a couple of years ago when we, when we were in the actual conflict zone, I was on one of the patrols and we were outside the armored vehicles and uh, some mortar rounds were dropping near us, near us, 100 yards, 150 yards. Okay. And uh, so the team leader says, predictably, time to go get back in. So we're running back to our, our vehicles, getting away from the village and turn around. And one of our mission members was frozen. He didn't move. He didn't move. And so it's like, run back, help him feel safe enough to get moving. It's more dangerous to stay here. Then just so boom, we went back, we got out. So the free state is alive and well in, 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 in all of us. It just manifests differently. Mm -hmm. Then there's the survival uh, fight and flight state, which is, I think most people are very familiar mm -hmm. with, mm -hmm. fight or flight. Mm -hmm. um, that's 400 million years old. It's more recent, more contemporary. And that's the opposite of freeze. It's an I can state. I can fight and hopefully win, or I can run away, but it's an I can state. That's when your hormones, adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol, they're partying down, okay? And, you know, increased heart rate, blood pressure, blood glucose levels change, all of that. Each of those states, the I can't and the I can, the immobilization with fear and the mobilization with fear are triggered by perceived threat. And, and I say that because perceived threat doesn't have to be a mortar round. It can be a traffic jam and not being able to get into work on time. Mm. It can be a deadline in school that I didn't meet. It could be a test I didn't do. It could be a fight with my partner. We never fight, but <laughs> other people, okay? Um, it can be any number of things that trigger a perceived threat. But the nervous system is designed to deal with real threats, not perceived threats. Nervous system was is ancient. There wasn't traffic jams in the Serengeti, okay? There was, you get eaten, in three minutes you're screaming terror and you got away, or you're a meal. There wasn't any, you know, worrying about finances, dating, how's that going? What are my existential issues? None of that was happening. You were either alive or you were dead. Mm -hmm. Now, our nervous systems aren't prepared to manage the stressors that every one of us here face every day. Mm -hmm. There's a more recent, uh, it's not a survival response in the sense of a threat, but uh, about 200 million years ago, when mammals evolved, we needed to like, not be reptiles and just walk away from our young. Okay, We actually had to take care of them. All right. So as a result, evolution had to figure out a way of keeping us engaged um, and hormones like oxytocin and other things were evolved. And we actually care for our young, hopefully, mostly 
some people. So as a result, um, social engagement was the third state. And that's where we are feeling safe. This is where empathy, compassion, connection to self and others flourishes. So when there's a conflict between couples and I'm working with a couple, I need to move them out of a survival state because in a survival state, you're seeing threat and there's an enemy. So if you're in an argument with your partner, your partner's suddenly the enemy. It's not a state where you resolve conflict. So moving to social engagement is where we can resolve issues. It's also where we feel safe. It's an I am state. I'm present. I'm here in the moment. I'm able to be mindful. Yes. So breath, you probably was wondering when I'd bring breath back. <laughs> so breath and the importance of breath is to be able to utilize breath to shift my state from a freeze or from a fight or flight to social engagement, where I can then stay grounded. Because in fight or flight or freeze, there's a disconnect between the limbic system and the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is what we use to, to be logical, to be grounded, to mm -hmm. be reasonable in our actions, <clears throat> to control our emotions. If that goes offline, we've got issues. Mm -hmm. um, technically, it's called executive functions. Mm -hmm. So the more we can stay in social engagement, feel safe, be connected, the more our frontal lobe is online, our executive function, and we can solve issues between each other. And Laurie, what would you have to do? Oh, <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. That really, there was a lot in there, George, um, a lot in there. Um, <clears throat> I want to ask about um, this idea of safety, because even though... Um, we are here in the United States, and most of us are. I'm not sure where everybody is, but um, we feel relatively safe in our own homes. Mm -hmm. And we know that's not true for many, many millions of people around the world. Um, so, Laurie, what would you tell us in regard to how, how can uh, breathing help us feel safe? Because I've heard about shallow breathing and deep breathing mm -hmm. and all of that, what's a way that we could feel safe by using our breath? That's a great question. Well, you know, to um, answer that, Dawn, with um, um, an example of the Ukrainians, um, friends that we were in contact with before the invasion, and then during the invasion and now after the invasion, many of them that are in Poland, Romania, um, Norway, Croatia, Greece, many different places is they, um, the fact that they did not feel safe was causing them to not be able to sleep, to not be able to eat, and to barely breathe because the brain puts us in that fight or flight or freeze. This is a free state. And so uh, you can't function well at all. And it just is uh, detrimental to every part of our being, our bodies the immune system, our ability to think clearly. Like one friend, she, um, she vacillated about fleeing from Kiev for three weeks. She couldn't make the decision whether to do it or not. So to feel safe when there's so much going on, like George talks about it, going to the eye of the hurricane, when there's so much chaos around us, if we can find within us a sanctuary, a place of peace, and what takes us there is the breath. Just the simple practice of knowing if we are inhaling and knowing if we are exhaling 
Because if you know that, if you go into your body and feel your breath and are aware of that taking in or that letting go, you aren't in chaos. You aren't thinking, you aren't, you're in a being state. And so even to be able to do that, well, for example, we did a, um, last week a, a Care for Self, Care for Ukraine um, workshop, and Natalia, a woman from Ukraine, was on the call, and she said that that was the first time in way before the invasion that she had felt any type of relaxation was from doing just the simple breath practices. And then you can get a little more, um, what you wanna do is not just um, know that you're breathing, but feel that you're breathing, and then maybe bring movement into it, where, where with the inhale, the inhale lifts the hands, the exhale lowers the hands. So that then there's movement and something more to focus on that will help to give that respite to the mind, tipping the head. We hold so much tension in the area of our neck and shoulders. If we can just do that guided by our breath, where the exhale lowers, the inhale tells us to lift, the exhale tells us to lower. Just those two practices, if you engage them, they can bring you to a place of safety and sanctuary. That uh, must totally bring that uh, the nervous system and the brain into right. it's it's like, yay, we're okay again. You know, yes. we don't have to keep pumping all of this stuff into the body. We can just be right. Right. One thing I'd like to add to that, if I may. Is, yes. is that I think everybody on this call, I think all of us are watching the news and we're seeing pretty horrific images. And um, a little bit like OSCE in the conflict zone, I worry about those of us who are seeing it, perhaps even the people on this call, that we can actually, if we watch these things, it starts affecting our sense of safety. And mm -hmm. in reality, then we can actually begin to manifest secondary symptoms of post-traumatic stress. So I think when we're watching our news of choice and we're seeing really horrible things and there's a lot of a sense of powerlessness and how could we let this horror happen? Toxic mm -hmm. genocide, toxic mm -hmm. war crimes. Um, how do we stay feeling safe? Because what Laurie said was really important. Self-care, if we're peaceful, then we can serve others. If we end up in a survival state, if we get locked in that, we're not able to serve other people because what'll happen is our nervous systems will then affect mm -hmm. other people's nervous systems and they'll start getting into a perceived threat. So mm -hmm. the more we can be peace in the eye of the storm, we'll, so to keep light and darkness together, mm -hmm. I just wanted to put that out there because as we're watching really horrible stuff, mm -hmm. I know people that are starting to have nightmares about Russians blowing up their house. Okay, okay I wasn't going to say that, all right. <laughs> but um, but my point is is that it's not just it's not just mm -hmm. a few people. Mm -hmm. So the more we can stay in social engagement as we watch, mm -hmm. the better the more self care we have, and as a result, the more we serve others. Does it help when we're watching the news or reading an article or hearing something about what's going on in Ukraine or anywhere really for that matter? Does it help us to do some kind of breathing while yep. we're doing it? While, yep. while, while engaged in those things? What would Absolutely. we do? Do you have an idea for us? That's good. Belly diaphragmatic breathing. Okay. Absolutely, because you know, when we're feeling, when we're in freeze, a lot of times we stop breathing mm -hmm. or when we're in fight or flight is we're breathing very shallowly in our upper chest. And that tells the brain you are not safe. And yep. so it exacerbates the, um, the engagement of the sympathetic nervous system, which is 
the fight or flight. So just the act of bringing the breath low into our bellies, as low in our bellies as we can, and as slow as we can, that changes the brain from the reptilian brain to the prefrontal cortex, our wizard brain, mm -hmm. and it changes our nervous system, it changes our immune system, it changes everything. So it it takes practice and again, being proactive, not reactive mm -hmm. to when you're in bed at night, put your hands on your belly and focus on the exhale of really squeezing the belly to the spine, squeeze, 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 and then allow the inhale to be a relaxed expansion and even go out a little more <laughs> to really get it in the belly. The best thing to breathe in the belly is to laugh, hmm. you know, great belly laughter. But when you're seeing images like what we have been seeing, you don't feel like laughing. So it has to be more of a conscious uh, connection with your diaphragm, with your belly. Physiologically, you cannot be in a state of full-on panic if you are breathing in the belly. So that's a powerful technique to, to use to still be able to um, know what's happening Mm -hmm. and uh, stay engaged. That's beautiful and mm -hmm. very, very helpful. Thank you so much. And my question is, could you please repeat the name of that breath? We'll put it in the chat and we'll put it in the follow-up email for everyone with those steps outlined because I think people would like to be okay. able to do that themselves and maybe share it with others. Mm -hmm. So what is the breath called? It's diaphragmatic belly breathing. Okay, so the diaphragm is in there. Yes. I heard, I heard the when, you're, when you're breathing with the belly, you're utilizing the diaphragm. You're engaging the diaphragm. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is such an important conversation because for so many reasons, um, one of the things that we've, conversations that we've been having in New World Women is this idea of suffering, that we feel that we are not honoring someone else's tragedy if we're not suffering too. And like, how can I be feeling happy or joyful when people are <laughs> suffering? And and George, you pointed it out a little bit ago when you know you were saying that we can't be of service to others if we're a train wreck ourselves. Right. So, do you have any comments on that concept of you know people thinking that their suffering is actually helping anything? And you know, um, what what would you say about that? I have a story, actually. Good. We love <laughs> stories. A, a while ago, and, and like when I was a, a younger therapist back, you know, in the day, um, I was running a men's group. And it was about eight, nine men, very good men. And they, um, we had one uh, minister in it. And we were doing group and running group. And the minister was looked up and said, I will never be happy until everybody in the world is okay. And the whole group stopped. Like, so basically, you will never be happy. Yeah. And so, Tetnat Han wrote a book called Being Peace. Yeah. That's a man who saw a lot of tragedy, he saw a lot of death. And his response to that was to be peace, mm -hmm. to experience it, to be there. Because if we are peace, if we are living, if we are holding light and darkness together, not in denial, but in loving contrast, if we are able to be present and mindful in the world, then we are, then we are offering something through our, he wouldn't use the word, our nervous systems. But basically, <laughs> we are offering to the world that peace, and, and others can take that. Yes, that's beautiful. What a beautiful story. And I, I think that some people do believe that, that they should not be happy until they're, you know, everybody else is. But it's not realistic. And again, we can't be to others. We are if we have nothing to give and if we're living in that state of confusion and fear and 
all of that. So, mm-hmm. well, and I and I get those folks when they say that. I really do understand it. Yeah. But I but but the reality is, they're going to offer more. They'll offer more love, more support, more care, more presence mm-hmm. in social engagement than they will in fight or flight or freeze. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Well, I know that um, Laurie is going to share a breathing technique with us, and we're going to save that until the end so that as we end the call, everyone will have that beautiful state of being with them. And I see that a few questions have come across that I'm not able to read all of them right now. And so um, it looks like there was a question from Liz. Um, Sean, can you unmute and tell us what that question is or forward it to me in the chat. Maybe I can find it that way. Um, yes, let me see if my mouse is letting, let me scroll up, very good. Okay, so Liz asked, are you able to do sessions with Ukrainians living in the US? They seem to have secondary trauma. I can help spread the word, let me know. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Liz. That's mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So how would anyone contact you? Would that be, what, what's the best way for people to contact you about that if you're interested in doing that? It would be at uh, either write george at breathlogic.org or Lori at breathethechange.com. Um, and one of the things I guess I'll say is we, uh, because of the... PTSD, just how awful it is. We have lived in post-conflict places mainly. This is the first really pre-conflict or conflict place that we have lived in was Ukraine. Before that, we lived in Guatemala that had had a civil war, Kosovo, which had genocide, and then Cambodia. And so we saw the effects of of trauma, of PTSD and secondary trauma. And so we are working with a group of Ukrainian psychologists in training right now that are in many different places. And um, they will then go and work with refugees that are in the different countries that they are in or um, online. Mm -hmm. So um, this is something that we really want to do is, um, I mean, it's, we, Mm -hmm. we feel uh, impassioned by that work. And so whether the, the Ukrainians in the States would want to do work with us or whether they would want to have Ukrainian um, psychologists work with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, want to. Yes, very, very, very profoundly important. And this might be a good time to bring up the 50 and 50s, and I'll tell you why. So you both have committed to doing 50 talks in 50 weeks, and we just call it for shorthand, (laughs) 50 and 50. And so for someone who might be interested in learning more about how they could support this project that you just mentioned, will you, would you talk to a group about that? And um, that, that could be one of your 50 and 50s, and then would people contact you the same way? to be able to do that. So these are talks that you do to educate people, to spread the word and so on. Um, anything that you'd like to say about those 50 and 50s? Like, is there a certain number of people? Is there a charge for it? Or are you just really trying to get the message out there now and, and get your book out there too, which is extraordinary. I put it back there, but usually I've got it like really close to me. <laughs> it is excellent. So what about those 50 and 50s and in particular talking about the psychologists uh, that you're wanting to train uh, in these trauma techniques? Mm. Well, ideally with the psychologists, you know, they, they do not have any income coming in. So many of the refugees 
do not have any income coming in. So if there would be a sponsor or people that would donate to, um, to pay them, that would be uh, wonderful. We'd love to put that out. If anybody knows some very generous and <laughs> organizations or groups or individuals who uh, feel who that resonates with to contribute to, that would be wonderful. As far as doing talks, we are delighted to do them for free. Um, we also would be delighted to do them for funding for the work that we are doing ourselves, or also we, um, with Breathologic, the nonprofit that I am um, co-founder with, with Nancy Chapman, I believe she's on the call. Yes. We um, found a donor who is matching a donation that we have done some fundraising for. So I uh, want to share that. Uh, the book is, we wrote actually most of the book while we were living in Ukraine. So the, it's, it's a course on breath literacy, yes. on understanding the why of, of uh, the importance of breathing the best that you can breathe optimally. Oh, somebody's holding it up. Debbie, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and and the taking in and the letting go, the power of the taking in and the letting go, you know, the extraordinary power that we have in our ordinary breath. So we uh we feel <laughs> to thank you to uh many people and the world that we can offer. So we would love to um help share that more. Absolutely. Well, the invitation then for everyone on this call and everyone that you know is help get this message out there with Laurie and George. Buy the book. It's excellent. And it helps them to keep the word getting out there because breath is a simple thing. It's a very simple thing. But we need to know how to do it and why it works and all of that. And all of that and so much more is in this book. And so what's the best way for people to get the book? To go to the breathlogic.org website. You can order it from, from the website. It goes to an organization called Itasca. Beautiful. And so they will send you the book. It's also on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble. But um, uh, if you go to the website, there are also free tutorials and free uh, YouTubes of many, many breathing techniques. So that's breathlogic.org, right? Yes, breathlogic.org. Yes. It's fabulous. Make sure you check that out and purchase the book there. And also you said Barnes and Noble and Amazon as well, correct? Okay, yes. And the name of the book is Breath is Life. Breath mm -hmm. is Life. Someone had just asked that we repeat the name of it again. <laughs> so <laughs> making sure we do that. And so um, the 50 and 50s are a way that people can continue and get the word out about what you're doing. Purchasing the book, visiting the Breath Logic website breathlogic.org um, website is just so many great tutorials on there and a whole team of people who are doing amazing things around breath and so um, before we um, uh, uh, go to the breathing technique that Laurie is going to share with us right at the end in the last few minutes um, we wanted to let you know about something that um, was created by Mecca Page, who uh, is not here on the call tonight, one of the co-founders of New World Women. It's called 12 Things You Can Do Right Now to Show Your Support for Ukraine. And so I'm going to um, share my screen and then you can see that as well. So we have a few slides and this first slide here, you will find this on the breathlogic.org 
um, website. It's really lovely. And it goes a little deeper into what we talked about, how your own inner peace helps create world peace. And then of course, here's a picture of the book and you can um, get your copy, as we said, on uh, Breathe the Change, Breath Logic. Actually, that's breathlogic.org, not .com. So let's make sure we have that right, breathlogic.org. And, um, and then here are the 12 um, things that you can do right now to show your support for Ukraine. Oh, we'll make that one the bigger one. Let's see. Um, I will bring it up. Um, it's probably really hard for you to see, but don't worry because you are going to receive this in your follow-up uh, email. So um, very quickly, breathe and pray for your own internal peace. Donate to organizations that provide aid to Ukraine and her refugees. Support public radio and other truthful journalism organizations. Sign online petitions for peace. Um, in organizations like avaz.org, help spread truth about the war to counter the pro-war propaganda, have compassion for Russian people who do not support this war, feel and honor your emotions and let them go. You cannot help others when you are in a stressful state. And then there are several more. So you will receive a copy of this. So um, in these last few minutes that we have, before you share your technique with us, um, Laurie, I'm wondering, are there any last words from the two of you? And oh, and by the way, I believe the two of you said that you would stay on for a few minutes after our official end for anyone who would like to talk. So um, any final words? And then Laurie, you can go right into your breathing technique that you have for us. Well, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody. Um, just it's, it's wonderful to just have a talk with people who, who, who feel caring, who are really interested in the topic, whether it's breath or Ukraine or both. I just wanted to say thanks for being with us. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. I echo what George said, and I also want to say with World Breathing Day, I love props. <laughs> I actually bought this in Dnipro <laughs> in Ukraine actually, where true. we did the training. And I want to say that when we work with our breath, we work with our hearts. Mm -hmm. It is an anatomical given. Our lungs surround, our lungs embrace our hearts. So it's a physical and an energetic that we... Um, when we breathe, we work with our hearts. And I just want to say um, one thing with Breath Logic also, we are offering now uh, 10 minutes at noon Central Daylight Time, free breathing together. So just go to the website and you um, will find the link. You don't need to register anything. Just show up. It's going to be a daily thing as long as we need to deal with secondary trauma. So the um, the the breathing that I that I want to share is again caring for self, caring for Ukraine, caring for the world, and it's to become comfortable how you're sitting, grounded, relaxed, a gentle smile to your face to tell your brain that you're safe. And just bring your hands out wherever it feels comfortable. Open it so it's like an opening of the heart and the lungs. Feel that. And to just breathe, noticing how the lungs truly do embrace the heart. With your next inhale, bring your hands into your heart, breathing in peace. The exhale, breathe out a wish for peace for Ukraine, for the world. Again, inhaling, crossing the other way into your heart, breathing in a wish for peace for yourself and out peace for the world. And one last time, breathing in peace for yourself, feeling that sanctuary, the eye of the hurricane inside yourself, and then again, out to the world.
And you can do that for as many times as you like or at night when you can't sleep. I know on behalf of all of us, we say thank you for your wisdom, for your tenacity, for your courage, and for your will to serve humanity in all of the beautiful ways that you are. We are so grateful. Let's open up the mics and let everyone say their thank yous. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, George. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Please visit newworldwomen.com to learn more about our exciting collaboration and how it can support you and other women in your life. We would love to welcome you into our first Founders Circle, which you can explore on our site. If you like Collaboration is Queen, please give us a five-star rating and tell your friends. Thank you, and remember to keep your crown ready so women can collaborate to create a new world for themselves and for our world, a world of love, inclusion, collaboration, and abundance. <laughs>